you lose me again? Uh, I actually got disconnected totally, and here we are starting from scratch again. So, yeah, it threw me off altogether for some reason. I don't know if I accidentally touched something or what, but that may have been the case. Keep your hands away from so. the phone, Daniel Benoit. I think I'm going to go wireless again like I did yesterday. I got my headset plugged in today, so I may throw my earpiece back in. So, hold on. I don't know if you sound good this way. Do I sound better than I did yesterday? Yeah, you sound better on your actual headset than you do on your earpiece. Okay, yeah, then I'll leave it like that, because my my headset, is uh, these earbuds I got in got a microphone that extends down to the mouth, so, yeah. So, uh, yeah, ladies and gentlemen, uh, this is a start. I think I might be able to cut this part out. I think I might be able to figure all this out. So we'll go ahead and start from scratch. Well, here we are. Uh, Right now we got Zach Sterick with us. Uh, We will be having Jimmy Blanton join us here shortly since uh, this is a restart of a podcast that we just got thrown off of. Uh, (laughs) Anyway, uh, we're going to be talking about the Big Muddy Monster. Yeah, and uh, Zach is the man behind the Big Money Monster, and Zach is going to give us the rundown on the Big Money Monster and what's going on with that, where that originated from, and uh, for those who are listening here in the future, the Big Money Monster, uh, there is a documentary on the Big Money Monster, and it's something for you to keep your eyes open for that you're going to want to check out when it comes available. Um, Zach, let's try this again, and you can take over. This is your show right here, because this is your baby right here. So, <laughs> so uh, Zach Sterick of Illinois, take it away. Okay, first off, I'm going to give you a round of applause, because you actually pronounced Illinois right this time. <laughs> hey, that's twice in a row tonight. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, thanks for having me back. Uh, I love doing the podcast, especially. I'm not just kissing your ass. I actually I enjoy it, and I look forward to doing it every time with you. Um, oh, yeah. Okay, so the Big Muddy Monster. The Big Muddy Monster is a staple of Southern Illinois history. Ever since the first report was made back in June 25th and, the, and June 26th of 1973, uh, the actual first report of the Big Muddy Monster happened uh, from two well-respected members of the town of Murfreesboro. But the thing is, these two well-respected members of Murfreesboro were having an affair whenever they made, had their first encounter with this creature. <laughs> they were down at Riverside Park, down by the boat launch, um, what is known as Lover's Lane in Murfreesboro. And they were down there doing their thing. What they had the windows down, and they said this out of the woods, just un, as unearthly as they described it. And the scent that hit the car, they said, smelled like a skunk that had been rolling in raw and raw sewage, a uh, very pungent, pungent odor. And they were hearing something moving around the car. <clears throat> they kicked the lights on. And they see this big, eight to ten foot tall, white-haired monster uh, that they said was similar to a Bigfoot, caked in mud that looked like it just cut, wallered in the mud on the bottom of the river. And I will remind, uh, throw this in there. The Big Muddy River 
there's actually two muddy rivers. There's Little Muddy and Big Muddy. Little Muddy feeds into Big Muddy. Big Muddy runs from the south bank off the spillway of Wren Lake in upstate Illinois, and it runs all the way to the uh, Mississippi River where it feeds into it. <coughs> uh, very swampy areas. I've drove every inch of uh, the Big Muddy's uh, banks whenever it comes because from traveling with past jobs that I've had um, along that area, it's all bluffs. Some of it's farm land and agricultural land, and some of it is just very dense forest, something that could actually support a creature like this. Um, and actually, I was just listening to a podcast before we jumped on here um, that Chad Lewis and Kevin Nelson, two of the main staples in the documentary, uh, that's coming out that's pr- produced by Red Room Media Productions. Um, head producer and director Joe Turry put together this documentary and he brought me and my team and a couple others and some eyewitnesses into. The documentary is titled Creature of Big Muddy and Illinois Bigfoot Legend. Um, it, it is something, you know, that is very uh, near and dear to us um, because, you know, Everybody else, every town has their Bigfoot, uh, pretty much. Uh, I mean, from coast to coast, border to border in the United States and around the world. But Big Muddy got looked over a whole lot because around the same time, 70 miles away in Louisiana, Missouri, Momo was taking place. And uh, yeah. there was a lot of media coverage, and that's how Big Muddy, the Big Muddy Monster got overlooked because of Momo was getting a lot of media coverage. But here's the thing. Whenever Big Money was really getting into its heightened and peaking out of of social interest, it actually made it into the New York Times. The New York Times wrote an article about it. The Southern uh, newspaper, a local-run newspaper, ran articles about it. They ran surveys on what people thought this thing was, their opinions on it, if they believed in it or not. But getting back to the first encounter here, I'll read right here this uh, article that I found. It's You can find it on new-cryptozoology.fandom.com. It is New Cryptozoology Wiki. Uh, if you go and you can type in uh, Murfreesboro Mud Monster or Big Money Monster on Google, it will pop up. Um, here's how it goes. There are two days from 1973 in Murfreesboro that still leaves some haunted or at least curious. The two police reports dated June 25th and June 26th relate the sighting of an unknown creature. It was in those two evenings that reports came in of a loud, tall, white-haired creature caked with mud being spotted in the woods on the outskirts of town near the Big Muddy River. It was later dubbed the Big Muddy Monster, because of its undefinable features and mysterious presence. It set off a media frenzy after the initial reports on those two days, said former patrolman and retired Murfreesboro on man-wearing. Those are the most copied, most looked-at reports in the history of the department, he said. Uh, letters came st- streaming in from those who, as far away as California and New York, wanting a piece of information or a piece of the prize. But the prize is still elusive. There are only two cases in 
that remain unsolved in Murfreesboro, Manwaring said. But after 32 years, the case on the Big Money Monster still remains open. It's an unsolved case because I can't tell you what it was, he said. Having retired three years ago and having not seen the Big Muddy Monster police reports in years, Manwaring is still able to recount those haunting evenings as if they just happened yesterday. And he recounts the stories as he would if writing the police report all over again. There were numerous sightings and people interviewed, he began. <clears throat> the first report came in just before midnight on June 25th. A couple had been parked near the boat dock on the southwestern edge of Riverside Park near uh, next to the woods. The two who were not married said they were in the car when they heard a loud screaming sound in the wooded area and observed a large creature approximately seven feet tall. The creature appeared to have a light colored uh, matted uh, hair uh, matted with mud. The creature appeared to be walking on two legs and was proceeding towards his car, according to the report. <coughs> Manwaring said, <coughs> "Pardon me." Manwaring said the two came to the police department and risked uh, exposing their indiscretions because they were so frightened by what they saw. There was no advantage for them to come up and report this, he said. Police searched the area with flashlights and spotted tracks in the mud, approximately three to four inches deep. 10 to 12 inches long and 3 inches wide. While officers were searching the area, they reported hearing another scream coming from the woods, but nothing could be found. The next evening, Manwaring said he was, uh, he was an officer on duty when a call came in from the Westwood Hills subdivision that two teenagers were sitting on the back porch and they spotted a tall, white-haired, hairy creature in a field just to the edge of the woods. Manwaring said officers responded, and while they were at the scene, a neighbor said his five-year-old son had just come in 10 minutes earlier, saying he had seen something on the edge of the woods. My partner and I decided to go down to the area where they saw this thing, Manwaring said. <clears throat> he started traveling a footpath through the bushes and noticed stench and a slimy film on the tree branches. I saw this substance and smelled the smell myself, he said. Jerry Nellis, an officer with the Carbondale Police Department at the time and a trained dog handler, was called to the scene. The dog tracked the scent all the way to a barn, but once he got to the barn, the dog refused to go inside. Nellis said, in his humble opinion, it was a bear. We never got a good view of any tracks, Nellis said. Is there a Sasquatch? I don't know. It makes for a good story, though. Lauren Coleman, a cryptozoologist who studied the Big Muddy Monster in the 70s, believed that it wasn't an animal in the woods. I think it's within the context of other reports of a Bigfoot, he said. Like West Coast Bigfoot reports, Coleman said this creature was hairy, but differs in the fact that nobody was able to see any distinguishing characteristics in the facial area. He said this creature also seems more aggressive than those supposedly spotted in the West. There's something very unique about this eastern, midwestern Bigfoot, Coleman said. From the reports from the Big Muddy Monster, uh, it seemed to frighten people the way it didn't in the West. Manwaring said people initially uh, thought it was a prank, but after all this time, no one has come forward to say so. And after the hype and hysteria was over with, he said he heard two more reports that seemed similar to those in June of 1973. One came in early July of that same year. 
But what haunts him more is a report he heard from a man who lived in the Westwood Hills area before it was developed into a neighborhood in the 50s. Manwaring said the man told him he was out working in his gardening one evening when he spotted a creature that was similar to leg reports of the mud monster. I never did see it, but in my mind, I feel those people really did see something, Manwaring said. I guess it just remains a mystery. Mention the big money monster and everyone in Southern Illinois knows who you're talking about. Even through the encounters, uh, even though the encounters with the mud monster go way back to a brief few weeks in 1973. Um, this part of the article is titled Arrival in Murfreesboro. Um, <clears throat> on the evening of June 25th, 1973, two young people heard the chilling, unearthly scream of some creature in the woods along the Big Muddy River south of Murfreesboro, Illinois. Sitting in the car in a remote parking lot from which fishermen often launch their boats, the couple then saw something moving closer in the woods. They later described it being at seven feet tall uh, on two legs covered with mud-matted light hair. It continued to emit its screams as it closed on the car. 19-year-old Randy Needham started up the car and sped straight to the Murfreesboro Police Department. He and Judy Johnson told police what they'd seen. Accompanied by then-Chief uh, Ron uh, Munwaring and other officers, Needham returned to the parking lot. Search got underway with lights, but all that could be found were vague footprints. At 2 a.m., the police were back, and with them, surprisingly, was Needham. As the beam, uh, beams of flashlights probed the parking lot and trees, there was a sudden bellowing scream from the dark forest. Everyone ran for the parking lot where Needham identified the scream as the same as when he and Johnson had heard earlier. The encounter marked the arrival of the mud monster, presumably a Bigfoot variant, in quiet Murfreesboro in 1973. Over the following weeks, more reports followed in. The second encounter. The day after the initial encounter, police dispatched a German shepherd to pick up the trail after a woman called a reported sighting. She told police her daughter and boyfriend had seen the creature in a field behind their house. The dog picked up the trail and followed it to a barn where she refused to enter. Police with flashlights entered the barn but found nothing. At least for what it was worth, police now had a better, if not still sketchy, description. Seven to eight feet tall, 300 to 350 pounds, pale, dirty, white, or cream-colored, standing on two feet. This one is uh, one that really gets me this creature actually turned up at a carnival. What? <laughs> yeah. Wow. Days passed, then on July 7th, another report came from a carnival owner at Riverside Park on the south edge of the town on the banks of the Muddy River, the river still apparently favored by the creature. A tall, hairy creature had been bothering the carnival ponies the day before. The carnival owner told police in order to not just disturb customers, he had kept quiet until the next evening to report it. Several workers noticed the ponies trying to break loose from the trees to which they'd been tethered. The creature was seen observing the disturbed ponies from nearby, but in a non-threatening manner. The description given by the carnival workers this time was similar to early sightings that a creature, <clears throat> seven to nine feet tall, 300 to 400 pounds, standing upright on two legs with light brown hair over its entire body. Then departure. A few months passed, then a local trucker reported another final sighting of the creature. 
it was seen a few miles southwest of town near the Mississippi River into which the Big Muddy feeds. Tracks were left behind and preserved with plaster casts, but that was the last that was seen of the Big Muddy monster. Hardly the traditional stomping grounds of Bigfoot. It can be conjectured that this particular individual seen in Murfreesboro, if he was what is commonly believed to be a Bigfoot, was transiting his way through the area, which explains why he wasn't seen after 1973 reports. There have been through the past 30, 40 years, similar reports of Bigfoot type creatures from places like Alton, Illinois and Louisiana, Missouri, involving a Bigfoot type creature seen a few times, then disappearing, as did the Big Muddy Monster. Uh, it goes on and it gives the same kind of reports over and over. I'm just going to skim through. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, I've been jotting down some. Yeah, I've been jotting down some questions. So yeah, when you get through, uh, I have a few questions. Well, I'll throw out there for you. But, yeah, you can continue. I'm just skimming through it. Blah blah blah. blah. Uh. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, just keep going ahead. And they said uh, Needham compared the sound to an eagle screeching into a microphone. Wow. And that seemed to emanate from the thick underbrush not far from his car. And he snapped off the radio and scanned the area listening intently. Um, there's some other stuff that goes right here. Some people said it looked like an oversized gorilla. Uh, with matted, mud-streaked white hair. Yeah, for an over-large gorilla, I mean, it must have had some mass to it, some width and some heavy, long arms. I mean, the tracks they found was uh, 10 to 12 inches long and approximately 3 inches wide, which is pretty small for a Bigfoot, but for something that size. Well, you know, sometimes if you think about it, you know, I know Bigfoot, you know, was Dane, uh, you know, Bigfoot was given the name because, you know, large tracks were found. You know, also, you know, we over over the years and through different discussions, we've always talked about, you know, a lot of people base a Bigfoot's height on the tracks that we find. And, and I've shared in the past that that's not always accurate. We can't always go by that because, I mean, I mean, we got basketball players and people with 13, anywhere from a thir- size 13 to a 17 size shoe, even up to 22. You know, yeah, let's say even a size 22 human shoe, they're only about seven and a half, they're only about seven, seven and a half feet tall, you know. So, I mean, that's not too far out of, you know, you know what I mean? That's not too far fetched to have a. A fairly small foot, but a big body, you know, because people look, I think people look at things a little too, I don't know. I don't know what the right way to put that, but I, I think it's safe to say is don't judge the size of something based on the size of their foot, you know. <laughs> There's another report <laughs> here that's actually very um, interesting. Unless that's a different, yeah, unless those small tracks were from a whole different subject, because it could be more than one. Right. You know. So. This one says at approximately 10.30 p.m. on the evening of June 26, 1973, five-year-old Christian Barrel uh, was playing in his backyard, which was located relatively close to the Big Muddy River. 
attempting to catch fireflies in the glass jar his mother had given him. The child frolicked about delightedly when he spied a colossal white shape looming from behind the fence that separated his yard from the neighbor's property, the Ray family. The terrified uh, Barl dropped his jar and raced inside, crying out, Daddy, Daddy, there's a big ghost in the backyard. The child's father was understandably uh, dubious of his son's story. That was until his neighbors corroborated uh, the tale. This account of a terrifying backyard encounter is uncannily similar to that one that befell another young boy named Greg Garrett just a few months earlier on April 25th, 1973. This is pertaining to the infield horror that we discovered on, that we discussed on the last episode. Um, while Burrow was sobbing in his father's arm, teenager Cheryl Ray, now Cheryl Rath, housewife and mother of two, was sitting on her darkened back porch next door with her young suitor, Randy Kreese. The pair claimed that they were talking and looking at the stars when they ru- heard a rustling in the bushes about 15 feet away from the porch. Assuming that it was neighborhood kids come to spy on them and an enraged Ray went inside to turn on the porch light while Creeth, the son of a state trooper, now a minister at the First Baptist Church in Sheffield, Iowa, leapt to his feet and opened the door intending to investigate. This intention vanished the moment that the light came on, revealing the same appalling apparition that had terrified Burl just minutes before. As well as uh, Needham and Johnson the previous night, Ray recounted the scene. Randy and I were sitting in my parents' breezeway when we heard something in the woods. We both went down, but Randy was walking a little bit ahead. Then he said, come here, and there it was. We stood there looking at it. Creeth and Ray stood frozen with shock as this filthy white monstrous monstrosity uh, seemed to stare back at them. Creeth, who drew a sketch of the creature, revealed a distinctly spade-shaped, flatwoods monster-like head, recalled the moment vividly. The thing I remember was the bulk of it, the shape, the human form, and the stench of the river slime it apparently had on it. It was about eight feet tall and at least as stocky as New York football players. Uh, We were within 15 feet of it, close enough to see the body, the texture of the fur, long and hairy like an English sheepdog. Ray also described the beast, which she claimed claimed bore inhuman features and stood more erect than an ape. It was real tall, hairy. I think it was white, but it was dirty, matted. It had a real bad odor. It really rank. I never smelled anything like it. It seemed like an eternity we stood there. And then it just turned around and walked off into the woods. We could hear it trampling through the woods. Kreeth claimed that the animal stared at them for what felt like a long time, although he later estimated that the incident lasted only about 30 seconds. Both agreed that the creature had glowing red eyes, which Kreeth accredited to the glow of a distant streetlight. This description of the eyes is significant if one is to assume that the Murfreesboro mud monster is actually a prototypical Bigfoot-like creature that just happens to be albino. While pink eyes are a common trait in animals lacking pigmentation, Ray, unlike Kreeth, would insist that the beast's eyes were actually glowing and were not reflecting light from some other source. Uh, This description of glowing eyes is very similar to that of another ape-like monster, the aptly named Orange Eyes, which is set to skulk around lakes and cemeteries near Cleveland, Ohio. 
After the strange interaction, the couple claimed that the shaggy beast simply turned and pushed through the shrubbery, thrashing its way back to the nearby river. Creeth and Ray testified that the creature they saw weighed at least 350 pounds, stood about seven feet tall. They also stated that it had a roundish head and uh, long gorilla-like arms. Officer Nash and Manwaring were swiftly dispatched to the scene where they noticed a powerful odor that quickly dissipated. They also found a cluster of footprints where the creature had been lurking. Following the officer's discovery, then Chief Toby Berger immediately dispatched the rest of his men to the scene, all 14 of them. Then sent for an officer and trained dog handler with the uh, nearby Carbondale Police Department. This is talking about Jerry Nellis. And uh, they said Manwaring confirmed the existence of this still unknown uh, material where they found this unidentified black slime. He said, I saw the substance and smelled the smell myself. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I got a couple of questions for you, but uh, before we get into that, uh, I just want to use this uh, brief moment to uh, remind everybody that you're listening to ECBRO Bigfoot Radio, and uh, we want to uh, encourage you to continue to listen in on our podcast and share our podcast. We encourage you to help spread the word as we believe in spreading awareness. Um, and also a reminder, uh, mark your calendars to save the dates. June 26th and June 27th, 2021, uh, we have the annual Virginia Bigfoot Conference that happen- that's happening in Wares Cave, Virginia, at the Wares Cave Community Center. You can find more information about that on our Facebook event page, which is the ECBRO Annual Virginia Bigfoot Conference. So mark your calendars, save the dates, and come on out. And uh, also here... Uh, Zach, Derek, uh, we'll get into talking more about what he's got going on coming up as well. Uh, I just want to throw it out there that if you are a fan of this podcast show, you will love what Zach's got in the works coming up here after the first of, on the first of the year, uh, seven p.m. Uh, is it seven p.m.? Uh, what's that, Central Time? Yep. Uh, okay, good. I got it right. I wasn't sure. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, Zach will be starting his anchor radio podcast show. So, uh, Wrestling with Monsters. That's going to be a good one. You guys will want to check that out. So, um, so if you like what Zach is sharing here, he's going to have a whole lot more and some great discussions with his panel. Um, so, yeah, Zach, uh, back to some questions. I got a question here. Well, actually, I, I wrote down a couple. Um, first of all, um, the different sightings and of uh, that you were describing, because you said the trucker saw one down by the Mississippi River. There was a sighting around the carnival, and of course the other couple that was in the uh, car over there uh, by the uh, Big Muddy River. Uh, how far apart would you say all these different sightings were? Like, were they any of them fairly close together? Well, <clears throat> I mean, Big Muddy feeds through uh like three or four counties uh the big muddy river itself um it feeds up into uh well actually let me pull it up here real quick give me a second uh while you're doing that let me ask you this real quick how far are you from the big muddy river Uh, about an hour Really? That's actually not bad at all. That's actually, it's just literally, um, actually just 
literally an hour from me. It's on the other side of Jackson County. Man, you and know, um, Murfreesboro sits up on a bluff above the uh, the actual Mississippi River. You can just drive, um, just take Route 13 all the way uh, from where I'm at, and it'll take you right to Murfreesboro. And um, and Route 13 runs from uh, Old Shawnee Town all the way up to St. Louis. Nice. Now, well, this brings me to actually my next question. Um, have you considered or do you have any plans to actually maybe investigate the area a little bit more, uh, perhaps somewhere in the near future? Uh, I, I plan a on group it. Of, yeah, uh, like make, it, make a camping trip out of it? I plan on it. There's actually a guy that I actually investigated his property, and he lives just a couple miles north of, of Murfreesboro. Um, in a outside of uh, of uh, Ava, Illinois, and uh, no, Cam- uh, Campbell Hill, Illinois, and uh, he has actually gotten audio down along the Big Muddy River. Let's see, Big Muddy actually runs from uh, north central Franklin County, from south of Renleg, along the spillway of Renleg, uh, runs through partially the north. Uh, western corner of Williamson County, the county I live in, and then it runs straight across east to west of Jackson County, and it feeds into the Mississippi. Okay. Very nice. Well, you know, Mississippi itself, now, are you talking about the state of Mississippi or the Mississippi River? River. Oh, okay, okay. Never mind, because um, just, okay, now, I'll leave that one alone. I was actually thinking of something different there for a second. Um, well, here's the uh, here's the question. Um, what's the most convincing evidence or piece of information you have regarding the Big Muddy Monster? Um, what would you? Yeah, what would you say is the most convincing? Um, would it be the tracks or a- anything in particular that you feel that might be more convincing? Well, I to mean- share? I mean, there's been, there's actually a guy that lives just down in Harrisburg, Bruce Klein, of the Little Egypt Ghost Society. He actually believes that it was all one big hoax, all off of a testimony of one man that he knows that came out. And he said that they got sick and tired of people using Riverside Park as a lover's lane. So they went down there and they made up this big, uh, upper body built suits to make it look taller and they had the guy stand like on stilts um, and they made this skunk spray and they sprayed all over the suit and all over the surrounding woods just to go and scare people out but <clears throat> that was just one that was just they according to Bruce all they planned to do was just do that one sighting but then right. you know so much so many other sightings happen within that span of a couple of days. You know, you would think that if it was a hoax, you know, word would have got out and these people would have been put in jail, you know, by the, by the county police, uh, especially the police in Murfreesboro. Murfreesboro is a hard town. You know, I mean, there is crime there. They, and they crack down on just about everything. Their patrols are double what it is in, uh, Williamson County. And, uh, well, well, yeah. See that that would almost make sense that they would create a prank or a hoax 
to keep people out of that one particular area. But then they can't stop there and look at that and consider it was just a hoax. Because according to the story, I mean, there were several other uh, sightings in the surrounding area. So to me, the way I gather, it's like not, uh, you know, especially a sighting near the carnival, uh, you know, and, and, and the trucker, you know, seeing one down by the Mississippi. I love hearing when truckers see them because, you know, truckers, you know, in their line of work, they're drivers and they got to be very well aware where they're driving, what's on the road, any obstacles, and they're they're very observant. So, you know, a trucker, if he's driving along a highway or a road and he spots something, he's going to make sure he's looking. he knows what he's looking at. You know, if there's pedestrians, if there's people, you're going to acknowledge them, you're going to be aware of them and know that they're people. If it's going to be a, a, any speck of wildlife that's passing through the area, yeah, they need to be alert to that. So, you know, to be able to react to that. So, you know, that's one thing about truckers. Uh, I've heard other sightings from, uh, you know, I've heard stories from truckers in other areas. There's stories about truckers that have seen, you know, alleged Bigfoot. So I kind of look at that almost as as an incredible source. Uh, So, yeah, that's uh, pretty interesting. I, I mean, I feel, you know, Convinced that the big muddy monster is real. Uh, people, people are seeing something, and because uh, the uh, reason I was asking about as far as investigating it and plans to investigate it, because uh, you know, yeah, it was spotted with light hair, uh, mud matted hair, you know. So, how I'm wondering how often is does it appear that way? Because I mean, apparently it's hanging around, you know, some kind of wetland or muddy embankments, you know, uh, to become that way, they'll look that way, you know. Uh, Yeah, I mean, you know, there is so much ground that this thing can cover and everything. Of course, some people thought it was just a Bigfoot that was migrating through the area and just happened to make a pit stop in Murfreesboro. Um, I mean, of course, if that thing did decide to stay around the area, I mean, I've drove along where the uh, the truck driver's talking about where Big Muddy feeds into the Mississippi along Route 3. It is very sparsely populated out there. It's all flat, flat land like you would find along the river, uh, especially right. out here in the Midwest. And there is there's very dense forests on the hillsides. There's plenty of abandoned houses, especially down there along the riverfront. Um, there's plenty of, uh, but it's also industrialized. There's a lot of barge companies, a lot of that ship grain, coal, rock, sand, uh, just about everything you could think of up and down that river. Um, and it's, uh, <clears throat> if it decides to stay in Jackson County um, or stay along the Big Muddy, he's got, three counties to go and pick and if he decided to stray away from big muddy uh you know he could have headed south into union county and there's a lot of stuff down there there's inspiration point there is little grand canyon um there's actually down in union county there's plenty of apple orchards and vineyards that this thing could have an unlimited food source throughout the year if it decided to stick around and in the union county it's all hill country there, I've driven through Union County uh, several several dozen times, uh, 
hundreds of times even. And I don't think there is at least one bit of flat ground in that entire county until you get down to Route 3. Yeah. Well, you know, knowing me knowing who you are um, and knowing, you know, your, you know, your line of work, your, your, uh, your time at doing a lot of research and investigations, I'm having a vision, in, uh, you know, in some thoughts here. And, you know, I'm sure you, you know, it sounds like you kind of already thought about this, but uh, I see you organizing, uh, get the, get the team together, uh, conduct, you know, the SIM, the Southern Illinois Monster Hunter Group, and uh, maybe start taking a, get a map of the general area, pinpointing different locations, and, and get out there, kind of do what the Finding Bigfoot crew did, but not with as many people, more, maybe more spread out, you know, if you can get some, uh, either do it together or split up the team to start investigating these areas, or maybe, you know, uh, kind of like, I'm not sure, I'm sure you can uh, obtain geographical mapping out there. I know in my area, um, I've, just in one of my main, my main research area, I got a whole map um, put together, and it's a geographical map layout, shows the terrain and everything, and uh, the elevation and so forth, any kind of creeks, streams, rivers, uh, that would be, you know, well, actually, you don't have to have a geographical map. There's that you can get regular street maps, city maps, and stuff like that, that would actually show out the land. Um, yeah, maybe start documenting and, and making notes on the map and make it a project to maybe start, uh, hey, let's, this is a starting point. Kind uh, of, and kind of go from there, you know, um, because yeah, I you know, and then also as I mentioned, I think there could be more. You know, I feel like there could be more than one of these things, in uh, you know, that's working the area. Uh, you know, I mean, w would you say all these sightings, the descriptions that that were mentioned, are they all pretty close and similar? Are you talking about the all the reports that I just rattled off? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they're all pretty much, I mean, some of them are off on height, some of them are off on weight, but they're all describing the same creature. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah that, that's another thing. You're going to get different descriptions from people because, you know, everybody has a different perception of what they see. Uh, you know, because, you know, shoot, you got people saying there's 20-footers out there. I mean... I mean, they're probably looking at something that's only maybe eight feet tall. You know, anything that's bigger than them is going to look, you know, enormous. <laughs> so, you know, especially at the in the moment, you're caught up in that moment. You know, if they are really seeing something, you're big enough. Yeah, it's going to throw their perception way off, and they're going to exaggerate what they are seeing. So, uh, trust me, I of all people know it's easy to exaggerate on stuff. I mean, I've come close to exaggerating on stuff, but cause you, you get so excited and you just. You know, but I've, I've, you know, like I said, I've, like I said, I have come close to exaggerating on things. But, um, you know, if it's something you really seen, you can go back in your head and replay it and replay it and replay it and put yourself back into that location and put yourself back into that situation when it happened and, and just kind of go back and say, well, okay, well, this is what it looked like. This is how high I was. This is what you know. And that's basically what I did when I had my encounter. I had to go back, you know, think back and think back and think back and remember that moment, you know, what all six of us were seeing. And, you know, 
be, uh, besides me, Tracy Arnold is the only other one that actually shared information about it. And he's heard me share my story about the, what we observed. And he says, yeah, he said, that's exactly how he remembered it. So, you know, because he was right there with me the whole time. I mean, all six of us together, but yeah, we'll never, we'll never forget what we saw and, uh, here in Virginia. It, it was very exciting. And, uh, you know, in our situation, it wasn't scary. It, you know, and that's one thing I tell people, uh, cause I, I get asked, were you scared? And I was like, maybe I should have been, but, uh, I didn't feel scared at all. It was actually exciting, you know? So, you know, and it also, I give a lot more credibility to, you know, these reports that are made by, you know, little kids or people that were in groups of two or more, you know what I mean? Especially, I give really big credibility to these little kids because you right. know, they're not cultured and exposed to cultural stuff as much as an adult is. Adult can easily cook something up, but, you know, a five-year-old, like the boy that saw it, peeking over the fence at him in the bushes in Murfreesboro, you know. He didn't know what it was. I read exactly what he said. He told his dad, he said, Daddy, there's a big ghost in the backyard. Yeah. How else was he supposed to describe what he was seeing? Because, you know, that in most cases, in most sightings, unless it was during the daytime or at nighttime, that there was enough lighting out there to, to project, uh, project or, or view what is in that area, yeah, you're, all you're going to do is get a silhouette. You know, I mean, you're, you're fortunate to get any kind of other features. You know, you're lucky if you can't, if that happens. But, um, yeah, the kid was seeing a silhouette. You know, it was that silhouette. It had to be clear as day to him. To say that much. To say he saw a ghost. You know? <laughs> so, and yeah, nighttime silhouettes. Huh? He was talking about, you know, with the difference in size and people exaggerating sizes. I would go and, you know, I go and go with the description of how of the person that saw it. And I'd go back to the place where they actually saw this thing because I'm uh, getting ready. Uh, as soon as I get the money, I'm going to invest in a fit in a 50 foot roll of uh, measuring tape. The kind that yes. the oh, yeah. contractors use, and I'm going to carry that in my kit whenever I go do uh, investigate an eyewitness report. Say if they saw it standing next to a tree, well, show me on the tree how tall it was from where you were standing, and uh, I'll right. have someone stand right where they was at, and one of my team members stand where they was at, and I'll go off where the person said they saw it, and I'll say, point to me with a stick on this tree, and I'll go and I'll take that and run that tape up that tree and get an accurate size. Right. Well, yeah, because, I mean, like, when we had our encounter, we went back to that very location, that same location, the very next morning. After we all got up, had our breakfast, we were like, hey, let's go back. Let's do a daytime comparison. And I think there was, like, one or two, uh, like Tracy Arnold, and uh, I forget, somebody else, it was Tracy Arnold and someone else that was standing on the uh, side of the forest road. And the rest of us uh, got down in the area uh, looking for tracks. And me and, oh, my goodness, I can't remember his name. Um, Yes, Cliff. Yes, thank you. Uh, Me and Cliff were standing beside each other right behind the bushes where where the biggest one was. And we were, you know, and it was me. And to my right was Cliff. And then 
just over to the right of him, which was kind of open and exposed is where the small one was. So me and Cliff, we stood there. And uh, from the roadway, um, you know, I'm six foot tall. So I'm standing right behind the bush. I felt like I was right in the exact spot where the biggest one was. And I told, uh, I told uh, Tracy, I said, let me know. I'm going to raise my hand up. Let me know when to stop. And actually, right when it got fully extended, he stopped. I said, well, I'm extended. And reaching my hand above my head was approximately two feet. So here I am. I'm six foot plus another two feet. So, yeah, that, that they're pretty much our estimation. We, we estimated that night what we, the height, because we were judging our height from off the, based off the, the eyes. And the biggest one, the biggest subject we saw was the only one we caught any shape and silhouette out of. But, yeah, so our estimations and everything, what we figured out was pretty accurate. Our guesses were pretty accurate when we did our daytime comparison with a height comparison. So, um, so sometimes, yeah, sometimes height comparisons in person, you, you know, sometimes it works out pretty good. But, um, yeah, that's one thing I always try to carry with me. I have a large tape measure, but I believe mine's only a 25-footer. A it's a... It's a you know, it's a Stanley 25-foot tape measure. Same kind I use. Um, I used to carry my apron whenever I did construction. Yeah, and mine, I mean, mine's, uh, you know, it's it works. I usually, I mainly carry it for, you know, measuring out tracks. But, you know, it comes in handy for other things you come across, you know, things you want to check out, get an idea of how wide something might be, or if it's a, if it's, regardless if it's a structure or whatnot. But I've, uh, well, you know, I've always been pretty good at like looking at something and telling you how how tall it is. My, I guess my perception is pretty on point. You know, as far as looking at something, you know, I used to have to do a lot of measuring, and you kind of get used to telling how tall something is over a period of time. You know, so, uh, but yeah, that is pretty cool. Um, let's see, so. Yeah, I'm going to uh, remind everybody again. Um, yeah, be sure to check out Wrestling with Monsters on Anchor. Um, yeah, so far, Zach, I'm going to tell you, I've been enjoying using this uh, this new pa- uh, podcast platform right here. Uh, Anchor's been doing real well so far. I know it's going to get better as we uh, the more we get to use it and everything, it's going to uh, work out pretty good. So, uh, but you said you had questions. You got more to rattle off. Uh, I, actually, everything I read off on here, I think pretty much you covered everything I was throwing out there. Um, yeah, because you, you already mentioned tracks, and when you were reading off that tracks were found. Um, yeah, everything I had written down, you pretty much covered it already. Well, I can already tell you right um, now, Southern Illinois is a very squatchy place i mean just in southern illinois uh the counties i cover um hold on now because with the counties i cover i cover let's see one two three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven twelve thirteen fourteen fifteen i cover 16 counties with my uh group and wow. in those 16 counties, there is a 
uh, nearly a Bigfoot in every single one of them. That's been reported. Huh. Now, do you think that's a different Bigfoot or one that's moving through the area? I mean, well, then again, you got to consider counties are fairly large, so it could be more than one, right? Well, I mean, some of the counties are really small. Like the small, huh. smallest counties that we have that's in our uh, research district um, is uh, Hardin County and Pulaski and Alexander County, and they're right on the Ohio and Mississippi rivers. Hey, wait a minute. You got a Pulaski County, too? Yeah, Pulaski. Let's see. There's Randolph, Perry, Jefferson, Franklin, Hamilton, White, Gallatin, Celine, Williamson, Jackson, Union, Johnson, Pope, Hardin, Massac, Pulaski, and Alexander counties. Well, I'm going to tell you what. I think Illinois uh, copied Virginia. We, you named off like half of, you know, a majority of what we got over here. <laughs> well, I mean, just in uh, Johnson, Williamson, Jackson, and Union County, there's five lakes. Oh yeah, and then there's three, now, the there's reason, three rivers going in just in our in our uh, research area. There's Big Muddy, and then there's uh, Crab Orchard Lake, and then there is Little River. Yeah, and then there's I'm going to tell you what river that forms into three branches. Now, as far as Pulaski County here in Virginia, yeah, just ask Tracy about Pulaski County. Yeah, that's a uh, he. That's that's his neck of the woods, because um, Tracy lives in Withville, Virginia. But Pulaski is a part of uh, Pulaski County. Uh, Withville is a part of that, and which is well, it's just slightly north of where Tracy is. And uh, but yeah, that's a very squatchy area. There's nothing but hills and mountains down there. And uh, I pass through there when I head down to Abington, Virginia, on my travels sometimes. And uh, but yeah, there's a large number of reports, the sightings that come from out of that general area, Southwest Virginia, uh, you know, um, where Tracy had his sighting at. Um, I wasn't too far from there because I was describing an area I was in one day. And oh, no, no, what it was, I had taken a picture of a river I was crossing over on a highway and he recognized the mountains in the background. He says, he, he says, you are in. Petersburg. I said, yep. How'd you know? He said, you see those mountains in your picture? He said, just on the other side of that one mountain on the right? He said, that's where I had my sighting. I said, holy crap. <laughs> I was like, that's pretty cool. So yeah, because I was going into West Virginia where I was traveling to. I was down down in Southwest Virginia headed into West Virginia. So I was just about, I think I had just crossed into the, uh, I was getting ready to cross into the West Virginia line. So down that way. So, there's, but, uh, <laughs> there's one thing that just struck me too. I mean, especially in uh, Union, Williamson, and Jackson County, the Crab Orchard Wildlife Refuge takes up those three counties. There is okay. so much area over there that is closed off to the general public, except for like one or two days out of the year. Yeah, you have to have a law enforcement or a DNR tag to even get in there. Oh, yeah, I understand that, yeah. Now, we have areas here in Virginia that, I mean, most of your state maintain land, federal property. I mean, your national forest, a lot of people don't realize national forest here in Virginia, you know, it's federal property. And it's, you know, it's actually, it's still public, but it's still, it's federal federally owned. So, 
Um, but you know, you know, because I'm just thinking here. I just as I'm talking about some of these areas I mentioned here in Virginia, because um, I've had people share some stories and reports, and uh, I'm starting around springtime. I mean, I got some camping coming up here in May. We're gonna do some, uh, you know, investigating. We're gonna have a little expedition, and uh, I'm looking forward to that because I'm sure I'll, you know, get a decent little crowd. Uh, I'm hoping, I'm hoping I get at least what I that what came out a few months ago when I had that camp out uh, back in October. That worked out really well. Uh, even though that was just, you know, we got there on a Saturday, and you know, we all met up Saturday. Well, a couple of people showed up on Friday. But uh, everybody arrived there on Saturday. We spent the day out there doing our things, camped out overnight. But, um, yeah, everybody had a great time and had a little bit of uh, – we got to experience a little something while we were out there, which was fun, you know, because the kids heard it. You know, when me and uh, Haley's two boys and uh, Justin – Justin was doing the filming, we all heard that weird wild scream or he, he described it more of a howl, but it definitely sounded like a, a scream or a yell. But, um, and then we had something, uh, when we were all gathered around the campfire, we were, everybody was right there at the campfire. We were all, everybody was sitting down. A couple of us were standing up and, uh, people st- sharing some stories. Justin, uh, was filming a few people sharing their stories. And, uh, and all of a sudden somewhere, because the river was right behind us, where the campsite was right there on the river. And the river actually sloped down. I mean, from the campsite, the ground sloped down. Um, and somewhere up on the river, there was a big crash. It sounded like something got thrown into the river real hard. And, uh, like, a group of, I don't know, not everybody heard it, but I saw everybody at the same time turn around. And I looked back, and everybody's pointing. I said, like, you guys heard that? They're like, yeah. I was like, I was like is anybody else over there? Because it looks like everybody's here. You know? They're like, yeah, we're, everybody's over here. So something was over there. <laughs> something came in pretty close to, to do whatever. I don't know what it I don't know exactly what it was, but um, that's when we started investigating the area. Justin took his camera. He followed me into the woods because we had a flashlight. And, uh, we started walking in the woods, walked down to the river a little ways, looking around, see if we could see anything. <laughs> and uh, but yeah, that's it was interesting. And, and uh, after not seeing it on the river, we we went over, we went across the other way into the woods across from camp, started investigating and looking around over there. And that's when we heard that scream <laughs> that came from the direction where something got uh, thrown or slammed into the river. So, but uh, but yeah. If uh, if people want me to come down, because I've been, like I said, I've been uh, introduced to a couple people. Well, they actually reached out to me, um, you know, and, and talked to me about their sighting. Uh, one guy in particular, his little girl had a sighting. And uh, Tracy Arnold actually investigated, or he, he went and did a video uh, interview with the little girl. But this guy told me about it. I didn't know Tracy did that. This guy sent the YouTube video to me. I don't know if he knew. I don't know if he knew if I knew him, Tracy. I said, "Yeah." I said, "I know Tracy very well." So it was just something I wasn't aware of that Tracy went to go uh, interview the little girl. But, but this guy, he he says there's something. There's he he still gets activity on his on his property. 
Uh, they haven't seen nothing since. His little girl hasn't seen nothing because his little girl had had her sighting when her and her friends were out playing in the yard. So, but um, I don't see why a little girl would make something like that up. You know, <laughs> you know. So yeah, he definitely has something going on in that area, and uh, I really want to get into doing some more investigations this year. That's that's one of my goals is uh, to do some investigations, and uh, you know. And try to do some focusing on my pro, you know, in my research area, you know. Um, um, you know, the most I've got out there this year was basically during the hunting year, uh, hunting season, and I, I need to get out there a lot more, you know. Let's see, uh, I took the year so, off because you know, <laughs> for four or five years, Bigfoot took up a lot of my time, and so you know, I after I we did the TV special, I just went into hiding. I took it. I left uh, Doc and. Uh, trapper in charge of the team and i just took it just took a back seat you know and then i was talking to amanda here the couple days ago and i told her i said this the fire for uh, the yearning for adventure is just burning me up and i'm ready to get back in the field and start doing more field work oh yeah absolutely and uh that's my thing i need to get out there more because like i said i haven't been getting out there as much as i like to um um, you know, I mean, I know, uh, Haley wants to get out there with me, you know, um, uh, she's anxious to go camping with me again. You know, she wants to go camping. She wants to explore. And, uh, I was like, she wants to go on some good hikes with me. And I was like, well, I said, well, <laughs> well, I have to see if my parents will watch your kids. <laughs> Cause you know, there's no way, you know, unless my father, you know, unless we all go camping together and, and the kids stay at camp. Dad can entertain the kids at the camp. Dad'll have fun doing that. <laughs> Your dad's entertaining, period. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you know, uh, all the the kids love dad. They're like, when um, you know, because you know, every anytime I go over there, if we go for a ride, like, oh, are we going over to your dad's house, and if we tell them, yeah, they're like, oh, all right, you know, the kids <laughs> get all pumped and excited. <laughs> so. But yeah, I know Dad wants to get get us all over there because he wants to have a fire in the backyard and you know cook some marshmallows and or let the kids do some s'mores, you know. <laughs> so, but uh, yeah, most definitely we'll definitely uh get into doing some activities this year. So, but uh, you know, and my main concern is the stupid coronavirus and you know what's going on with this. I I, I just. I hope and pray it does not interfere with activities this year. So, I don't know. I, I don't like to think about it, but you can't help but think about it because when when the authorities, the governors start shutting stuff down and giving restrictions, it throws a major, major wrench in my operation, you know. And, and I know I'm not the only one, but uh, but it just it, it just gets crazy, but. So, but we'll see how it goes. We'll see what happens. I think um, I think we might see some change here, regardless of what happens or who gets in. But after the after January sixth, we're gonna really see what's going on here. So, fingers crossed. Um, right. <laughs> yes, sir. So, but uh, tell you what, Zach. I, yeah, we've been on for an hour. Uh, we're going to get ready to close it down here. But uh, for listeners that are listening uh, here in the future, uh, just a reminder. Uh, 
we appreciate it if you take the time to share this uh, ECBRO Bigfoot Radio podcast here on Anchor because uh, we're on Spotify and uh, a few other platforms. Uh, please take the time to share this. Uh, send send this podcast to your friends and uh, share it in your Facebook groups. Share it on your podcast channels. And, and uh, yeah, anybody sharing you do is very much appreciated. Help spread the word. And, uh, you know, you're welcome to come on. If you have a Bigfoot story, if you have a sighting, uh, you can contact me directly on Facebook or just send me an email, ecbro98 at gmail.com. And, uh, and be on the lookout for the Big Muddy, Big Muddy Monster uh, documentary featuring yours truly, Zach Sterick. So, uh, Zach, before we jump off here, you, uh, you want to throw anything out there for the listeners? Yeah. Um, be sure to go and check out. Uh, the Southern Illinois Monster Hunters on Facebook and on YouTube. Uh, you can plug them in on Google and they'll pop up for our link to our Facebook page and our YouTube channel. Be sure to like and follow the page so that way you can be notified whenever we post new uh, reports or pictures or upcoming events. Um, be sure to go and subscribe and click the notification bell on YouTube for whenever we upload a new episode of Mysterious Illinois. Be sure to check out also the Facebook page, Wrestling with Monsters. Um, it is our main Facebook page for the podcast under the same name, Wrestling with Monsters. Uh, we will be posting also, be sure to check out on WordPress.com, uh, ZachSteric.WordPress.com uh, uh, for the Wrestling with Monsters blog. I will be posting uh, a blog every other day talking about professional wrestling wrestlers um storylines in wrestling history bigfoot reports dogman reports any kind of cryptid reports or paranormal that goes and uh pertains to my fancy um and also blog about some of my travels and the cases that i have actually investigated um be sure to check them all out all those links to our anchor podcast and to our blog wrestling uh with monsters can be found on our facebook page the links to both of them are also there uh be sure to follow me on twitter uh s-i-m-h e-s-t uh 2015 on twitter and uh look me up on facebook if you have an encounter that you would like to hand it in you can add it uh, hand it in on the southern illinois monster hunters uh, Facebook page, or you can message me directly under Zach D. Sterick. Um, or if you uh, can't find me either way, go and email me at blimpsimh at gmail.com. Um, just go and leave your name, the location, the time and date of your sighting, and a, and a very detail, as much detail as possible, cover in your report, and I will get back to you as soon as possible. Well, Zach, thank you for that long closeout introduction. Bite me. Bite me. <laughs> uh, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. Oh, yeah, and I also well, you know what? to announce about the uh, about wrestling with monsters to the podcast. Uh, we air episodes here on Anchor every Friday night, 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. Uh, my co-host, Stacy Coughlin of Cryptid CSI and Ben Bishop of the Southern Illinois Monster Hunters and myself uh, will be releasing podcasts 
it's the podcast for wrestlers, wrestling fans, and cryptozoologists alike. You never know what we're going to talk about or who might turn up on the show. So be sure to go and check us out there. We're on Spotify, Pocket Cast, Pandora, iHeartRadio. Yes, I've already got picked up by them and Anchor and all uh, sorts of podcasting media platforms. Wait a minute. You already got picked up on Pandora? Oh, yeah. I haven't heard back from them yet. I had to submit a form to them. I'm just that cute. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Anyway, well, you know, one thing, you did remind me of something. You know, I haven't uh, I haven't advertised my, my WordPress blog site in a long time either. Uh, yeah, because uh, if anyone wants to check it out, uh, ecbro.wordpress.com. I have a series of blogs. Be sure to explore the whole blog very carefully because there's there's sections in there. There's pages and uh, blogs and stories and uh, and reports. So feel free to check that out. I share some of my research. Uh, some of the blogs in there are based on my research and uh, different sightings, uh, even some uh, mountain lion sighting uh, reports as well. Um, some stories and legends. Uh, but yeah, again, check it out, ecbro.wordpress.com. Um, and don't forget to find the ECBRO on Facebook. We have the ECBRO fan page, the ECBRO Facebook group. Uh, we also have the ECBRO annual Virginia Bigfoot Conference event page. So make sure you come out there June 26th, June 27th. Follow our page. And, uh, and I'm your host, Daniel Benoit. I want to thank you guys for listening to the ECBRO Bigfoot Radio. Sure check out especially. Until next time, ladies sure, and gentlemen. I also forgot this, too. I'm just a mess with my memory right now. I got some stuff going on. Um, be sure to. Oh, no. Help sure yourself. Go and keep an eye out for whenever Creature from Big Muddy, an Illinois Bigfoot legend, goes out. Um, it will be out on DVD and Amazon Prime sometime in January or February. So be sure to check that out. And also be sure to check out Red Room Media Productions. Um, they will all and the Facebook page for Red Room Media Productions and the Creature from Big Muddy Facebook pages. Be sure to like and follow them to stay up to date from whenever they are they release the documentary. Oh hell yeah! Um, yeah, when you get that released, uh, when all they gets put out there, um, any other public information that uh, definitely send it my way, Zach, and I'll be more than glad to promote it on my pages in my groups. Uh, uh, of course, because you know you should be able to. I, you are an administrator in a couple of my groups, so uh, definitely feel free to post away and share away. Um, and uh, yeah, another reminder: if you guys want to follow um, the ECBRO, uh, again, we do have a YouTube channel. It's uh, under the name Bigfoot Zone with ECBRO in parentheses, um, and you can find me, the host Daniel Bidois, on Facebook on Instagram, on Twitter. Um, and I'm also, I got a, I haven't messed with it in a while, but I'm also, in, uh, I have a LinkedIn at, uh, profile. Um, and then there's a couple other things. I'm not going to even try to mention them or think of them right now, but I don't really mess with it that often. So, But um, if you want to watch any interviews or any shows I've ever been on to learn more about me, if you're not familiar with me, um, just go under Google and do Daniel Benoit Benoit is spelled B-E-N-O-I-T. And put E-C-B-R-O next to that. You'll get a... I'm all over thought, the internet. So you'll find I me... I thought it was spelled... I thought it was spelled B-I-N-W-A-H. 
What? I spelled Benoit uh, as, as spelled B-I-N-W-A-A. So whenever uh, you spelled it B-E-N-O-I-T, it's Benoit. No, Benoit's the American way of pronouncing it. It's French. It's Benoit. Chris Benoit spells it the same way. Well, he did before he well, killed himself. Well, sacre bleu. <laughs> Mr. Benoit. <laughs> yes. Daniel Benoit. Um, yes, because the Benoit comes from my father's father's side of the family, Canadian French, uh, which we're out of can from out of Canada. So, and but uh, there's some cool stuff that comes from out of my father's side of the family. Uh, you know the the Italian, the Micmac, the Iroquois, you know, and uh, a few other things along the way. But so. And then, uh, well, the Italian side comes from his mother. His my father's mother was a hundred percent Italian, but from out of my father's father's side of the family comes the Iroquois and the Micmac Indians, which is pretty cool. So, but yeah, feel free to do your research, get to know who we are, well, what we've been through, what we talk about, what we believe in, our point of views. Um, if you ever want to come on the show to interview me, feel free. If you want to kind of come on the show to talk to Zach, Zach's your man. Um, you can. I'm sure you contact Zach Starrett, and uh, I'm sure he'll be glad to set you up to come on the show. Uh, you know, so I've been on so many different podcasts, so many different radio shows. I don't remember which ones I've been on. I've been on Night Caller's Radio, like, I don't know, four or five times. And, uh, there's some other podcasts that are still available uh, that no longer run, but they're still out there. So, yeah, that's the best way that I tell uh, – Zach, that's the best way I tell people to find me. Yeah, I would recommend do they could do the same to you. Like put your name in, Zach Sterick, uh with S I uh M H next to it. Uh, and like I tell them about me, Daniel Benoit. Benoit is B E N O I T with E C B R O next to it. And uh yeah, you'll get all kinds of information all pop up. So but uh, yeah, we're not hard to find. We're on social media. We're out there. We put our names in our in our what we do out there. So there's no secrets about us out there. So get familiar with who we are, what we do, and uh, I think you might be pleased. Uh, so and I, like I said, uh, I made an announcement when I host the annual uh, ECBR Virginia Bigfoot Conference. It's also a family festival. We got guest speakers, vendors, entertainment, and so much more. Uh, we definitely want you to come out and be a part of it. So, and uh, perhaps if traveling and everything, if other conferences continue, you may see me in your state. Um, I was supposed to go to a couple different states this past year, which everything got canceled. I was supposed to be in North Carolina at the Western North Carolina Bigfoot Conference in um, in uh, what was the name of the area? It begins with an M. Do you know which one I'm talking about? Uh, Mary, oh, Merriam, North Carolina, I believe it is. They're not supposed to be down in Westminster, South Carolina. And Kentucky was going to have me, but they canceled out. And, but uh, we'll see what happens. I'm hoping the library, the public library is open back up because I, I miss holding my, uh, my public uh, lectures and my seminars at the library in the conference room. So as soon as those ever become opened up again to the public, I will be setting up and scheduling local seminars here in Virginia. So, but uh, hey, everybody! I hope you guys enjoyed our chit chat and, and uh, the big money monster stories and uh, the sightings shared by Zach Sterick. 
And uh, we look forward to talking and sharing more in the future. And, uh, Zach, I hope you have a good night. I'll chat with you off, off air. And uh, to everybody else, be sure to share this around and spread the word. I'm your host, Daniel Benoit, ECBRO, Bigfoot Radio.